Hello and a warm welcome as you join us on Search for Truth. It's great to have you with us. Thanks for tuning in. Now, today we've the last talk in our present series called Would You Also Go Away? Over the last eight weeks, Brian's been taking a deeper look into the issues surrounding our allegiance to the Christian faith and the principles of discipleship. And we end the series with today's talk called Love for the World. So, let's hear from Brian. Okay then, John. One of the most haunting passages among Paul's biblical letters is found in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10, where he says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. The Apostle Paul was a people person. He reached out to people. He mentored people. And if you study his prayers, you'll notice that he prayed for people a lot. When one of those people, into whom he'd poured his life, turned back and deserted him, Paul really felt it. A real sense of desolation is reflected when he writes, Only Luke is with me. We're not told where Demas was from. Some think that because he left Paul and went to Thessalonica, this implies he was returning to his hometown. Well, maybe. If Demas was from Thessalonica, it'd be interesting to compare his life with that of Aristarchus, because he was also from Thessalonica. Both may have been from a comfortable background and probably had some wealth. Both were trained by the Apostle Paul, yet both men went in different spiritual directions. Demas first appears in the Bible while in Rome during the Apostle Paul's first imprisonment. In the last chapter of Colossians, there's mention of at least eight believers, including Demas, who were there at that time with Paul, and all of whom were evidently known to the churches in the Lycus Valley, churches like the Church of God at Colossae. Because of this, it would seem that Demas had been a visiting missionary to the Lycus Valley area. Six of them send their greetings, and Demas is listed with Luke and Epaphras separately from the three Jewish believers, Aristarchus, Mark and Justice. So we take that as implying that Demas was probably a Gentile. Five of Paul's companions, again including Demas, also send their personal greetings to Philemon at Colossae as well. Among the greetings to Philemon, Demas is included in the statement that describes him as a co-worker with Paul. Perhaps he'd been a close confidant of Paul. One commentator suggests he even shared the Apostle's vision of winning the world for God. All of this would suggest that he was someone who'd been a channel of God's blessing to others in his mission work alongside Paul. But now, no longer. Paul wrote that Demas forsook him. He'd let Paul down. How come? Because he loved this present world. Paul doesn't tell us which aspect of the present world system Demas loved. He doesn't say if it was fame, fortune or self-indulgence. Perhaps he didn't want to embarrass his co-worker any further. But also leaving this failure in Demas' life unspecified in this way means it can serve as a broad general warning to us. And we all need that warning. For remember how the Apostle John wrote to believers in Asia Minor, Do not love the world or the things of the world, for all that's in the world, 
the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. The questions this raises are, are we living for time or eternity? And are we living for this world or for God's kingdom? The Christian should view the world, as often used in the New Testament, as a moral and spiritual system which is designed to draw the believer in the Lord Jesus away from love for the Lord and away from any service for him. The world, in its cultures, beliefs and values, tries to draw the believer away from his or her love for the Lord in one of three ways. The first, the lust of the flesh, has to do with the gratification of the flesh. In other words, what makes us feel good physically. This includes sexual sins, gluttony, drug use and drunkenness. The second way is the lust of the eyes. In other words, whatever we see that we want to possess. And when the object we want is not ours, but belongs to someone else, this comes down to covetousness. And the final category is the pride of life. In other words, what we want to be, how we would like to see ourselves, boasting about our own potential accomplishments. Whatever the particular form of Demas' love for the world, it almost certainly fell into at least one of these three categories. Was Demas' issue more about desiring an easier lifestyle with more physical creature comforts, we wonder? Why Demas went to Thessalonica and what he did there isn't revealed in the Bible. One preacher who lived about AD 400 suggested that, having loved his own ease and security from danger, Demas had chosen rather to live luxuriously at home than to suffer hardships with Paul. If this is the case, the lure that Demas fell for would seem to be the lust of the flesh because he wanted an easy-going life without any self-denial. Polycarp, in the 2nd century AD, wrote a letter in which he listed some early martyrs, Ignatius, Zosimus, Rufus, Paul and other apostles, and said that all these had not run in vain because they didn't love this present world. Polycarp seems to be contrasting them to Demas when he says they didn't love this present world. He's implying, it seems, that Demas didn't want to be a martyr, which is why he abandoned Paul in Rome before he was executed. Certainly, just before Paul's statement about Demas abandoning him, Paul's been talking about his own impending martyrdom. Whether or not Demas was running away from hardship and martyrdom, or just wanting more creature comforts, an easier going life, with a bit of indulgence and luxury thrown in, it's clear we shouldn't try to copy the life of Demas. Instead, we should have an eternal perspective on life and not love this present world system that's out to draw us away from our devotion to the Lord and his word. The hope of the Lord's return should change the way we live now. Paul, in contrast to Demas, lived his life in the light of the judgment seat of Christ. For sure, none of us is immune to loving this present world and leaving the Lord's work and the Lord's people. For us, it may be some kind of retreat into a comfort zone. Was Timothy tempted to take things easier, avoiding confrontation? Paul urged him to suffer hardship 
as a good soldier of Christ. It is a battle. The world is subtle, and so is our foe. Its values, the world's values, are very different from those of God's word. For example, society's idea of fairness can be radically different from what God's word says. And we might be sensitive about being seen to be taking what's viewed as an extreme position, one perhaps that others may judge to be lacking in compassion. This is just one way of losing our life for Christ's sake. Dying in this way is gain too. But how tempting it is to moderate our passion for God's word. The desire to blend in and be accepted is strong. The world tells us that it considers being a Christian should be all about tolerance, including tolerance of things which God doesn't tolerate. The world today says we are all entitled to our personal view of what's true because there are no absolutes. They've all been abolished. But when Jesus said, I am the way, meaning the way to God, he was indeed saying that absolutely no one else is the way. Today, inclusiveness is a big issue. Worldly thinking argues that it's wrong to exclude anyone. But the Bible shows time and time again that sin excludes us from God's presence and that truth is exclusive of error. In Matthew 16 and 24, Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Will we love the present world? Will we love its applause and so save our life in the here and now? Or will we lose our life for Jesus' sake by taking whatever the present consequences are of refusing to let the world squeeze us into its mould? It's better to be thought of as narrow-minded, a person of one book, as long as that one book is the unchanging Word of God.
Well, that's the end of the series of talks, and thanks for that, Brian. But it may be helpful to have a reminder of all that's been said in this series in the form of the transcript booklet of all the talks. So if you'd like one, or more than one, to pass on to friends or study in a Bible study group, then ask for the title, Would You Also Go Away? You can also download our booklets via the internet, or you can order by email or by post. Now, first, I'll give you the postal address. It's uh, Search for Truth, Church of God, Downing Drive, Leicester, LE5, 6LN, UK. And finally, here's our email address, sft at churchesofgod.info. Now, if you want to, you can download MP3s or podcast versions of past programmes on your computer. Just go to www.searchfortruth.org.uk. And now some titles of Search for Truth booklets are also available at amazon.co.uk forward slash Kindle ebooks. Just type Search for Truth series into the search box and you will find them. So more back copy titles are constantly being made available. So it's uh, an advantage if you can go on from time to time to see what's, uh, what's new. But uh, that's all we have time for, so it's been great to have you with us. Do join us next week for the start of a new series about seven ideas that turn the world upside down. But until then, it's very best wishes from Brian, David and me, John. So goodbye and may God richly bless you.